Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. Hey, I really enjoyed the show yesterday. We had Senator Jeremy England. And we had Jace Payne from the city of Guffmore. Both of them are One Coast recipients. They were top 10 under 40. And just we had great conversations. And uh, you know, I hope to talk to all 20 of the winners over the course of the next several weeks. And it uh, should be just some you know, terrific opportunities to see what's going on in their minds, uh, to talk a little bit about their desire to help raise the bar in coastal Mississippi. And more importantly, you know, the responsibility they feel for having gotten the award and being an example to others and feeling the responsibility to sort of lead by example. It's just terrific opportunity to, to meet with people and, and push hard this whole notion of we can never have enough leaders in coastal Mississippi who get it. There was actually an interesting moment in the conversation with Jace Payne where he was talking about how we can't get complacency about what the needs of young people are these days. And he, and he pointed out this whole notion of work-life balance and the and the, uh, the 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 stresses that are on a lot of young people today, the, that after after having been home working remotely and having been had this opportunity actually to contribute toward helping with the kids or things at home or whatever it might be, it might just be relationship building or whatever it is, it now sort of factors into their thinking about whether they're going to be happy or not and whether they found satisfaction in work or not. And uh, Kyle and I, I'll, I'll draw Kyle into this conversation at some point because, as you know, we do this we do this show remotely, and we've learned a lot about how they use the technology. There was even a Fox News piece uh, yesterday about the Zoom boom, and it's not going away. The reality is, people are continuing to try to find that nice mix between working from home remotely and also going into the office. But there was a study that was done that said over 50% of current employees around the world are either thinking about leaving their job or considering it because they are now sort of wrestling with how do I find work-life you know, balance so that they can really reach quality of life. Well, with all this as sort of a backdrop, my son, Justin Matthews, who works at Pricewaterhouse in New York, I've mentioned him many times on this show. He's been on the show before, uh, wrote a piece and he asked me to take a look at it. And it, the name of the piece was Truly Hybrid Way of Working. And I read it and I was so deeply impressed with what he wrote. I thought I'd invite him to this to the uh, show, and and we can uh, we can talk about what his thoughts are about this. So before we go any further, let me invite Justin into the conversation. And first of all, I'll say good morning. How are you doing, my son? Doing well, Dad. Good to be here. Excited to be on the show. So uh, okay, so where are you at this very moment? I am currently working remotely in my apartment in the West Village in the lower part of Manhattan in New York City. Wow. You love New York, don't you? I love New York. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a great place to live. Maybe not for everybody, but for me, it's the best. Well, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but uh, we'll let, you know, let everybody in on a little bit of a family conversation we had all along the way. Okay, so Jordan and Tori, my daughter and other son, my daughter's a teacher. Jordan's a lawyer in Coastal Mississippi. They go to Southern Miss, where Ann and my wife Ann and I went. And Justin, you know, he enjoyed going to Southern Miss with us, but he was always going to be that kid that says, I'm not 
positive, I'm going to go to Southern Miss. And along the way, we went to visit our friend Dave Dennis at Auburn. And um, that visit kind of sealed the deal. And you were still kind of young, but you said it in your, your head that you were headed to Auburn. You were going to break the Southern Miss mold for the family. And there was no looking back, was there? That's right. That's right. As soon as I stepped foot on Auburn, I knew that's where I needed to go to school. And uh, yeah, best experience of my life. Absolutely loved going to Auburn. War Eagle, and thanks to Dave Dennis, a uh, uh, prominent <laughs> Coast View man and, and member of the community. But yeah, he was uh, the, door, the guy that opened the door for me. So, so you, you thought you were going to be an architect. Um, you ended up going into building science, um, and uh, that's what you got, initially got your degree in. And you did. You actually worked a couple of summers for construction companies. And like a lot of us who do jobs along our lives, we are thankful we had a chance to do it because it taught us what we didn't want to do. Is that what you learned, Justin? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's been a constant evolution, I think, of learning what I'm good at, what I'm passionate about, um, what gifts I have, and what I can offer. And um, and yeah, really zeroing in, I think, what my calling is in life. And uh, yeah, it was evident that construction is fantastic. And I really love certain components of it, uh, but it wasn't going to check enough boxes for me. So that was uh, led to the initial pivot. What's ironic about that, as we've discussed so many times before, the opportunity, though, to learn, you know, what, what, by the way, the construction science program is uh, one of the top programs in the United States. I mean, I think they have 100% placement coming out of that program. But, the, but what you learn is, is, is just about every phase of construction, but how to manage, how to manage projects, really, really complicated, detailed projects. And that, that, having that knowledge has really served you well in the gig you have today with Price Waterhouse, isn't it? Hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really has. And I think that's, uh, you know, part of the journey, right, is you, you do certain things, you feel them out, and you figure out if they're right for you and if they fit kind of your life mission or not. Um, but as you kind of figure things out, you're constantly picking up new tools, putting new tools in the tool belt that ultimately benefit you in the next step and the next step after that and then eventually for, you know, whatever you're really meant to be doing. So uh, you went back to the master's program. Uh, you decided to get a business degree. But what I loved about Auburn, incidentally, was Auburn had a really good um, process for evaluating uh, students to help you have a better understanding of what it is you might be a better fit in. So you ended up getting an MBA, and you also, which big surprise to us, you got a, you got a subsequently got a master's in finance as well. But um, when you put it all together, it sort of helped help you kind of come to the to the realization that at least initially management consultant would be a really good place for you. And uh, you don't regret it, do you? No, you know, I think the, the biggest component that construction was missing for me, and this was the same thing that architecture was missing for me, was the people component. Um, I love people and a lot of my skills and the way y'all raised me um, contributes to me being really good at, at people things. So when I found consulting, I realized it's really just bringing people together to solve important problems um, and then managing, you know, relationships and, and how they interact with each other. So, yeah, it was um, it was a it was a perfect fit for me, and I found it kind of in that uh, that process that I, they encouraged us to go through in the MBA program of understanding what you like, what you don't like, and really what you're good at. Uh, and yeah, that's how I led to consulting. It's been it's been a, a great blessing in my life, frankly. So you did essentially an internship while you were at Auburn at Price Waterhouse that led to a job in Houston working in the energy sector, and. Uh, you didn't stay there very long, but but uh, t t tell a little bit about the journey of being in Houston and ending up in New York. 
Yeah, so landed in Houston. I um, was lucky enough that there were some, some partners that really took me under their wing there and was the reason I was able to get into PwC in the first place. Um, and yeah, I had a wonderful experience there. And, you know, again, on this constant journey of kind of, kind of narrowing in what I want to do, uh, I realized that like cash flow management and kind of international uh, cash management was really the thing that piqued my interest in consulting. And so I started getting involved in some projects that were, were doing that type of work um, within PwC. Uh, which got me connected into the group that does that stuff, which is based out of New York City. Um, and a similar story, right? I, I was very lucky in that I had mentors and partners that were willing to take me under their wing and, and really wanted the best for me and my career. And they were like, look, the best thing for you is going to be to move up here in PwC, into New York, join um, our group and, and really start developing these skills, uh, which was great because I think ever since we, we visited New York when I was like maybe 10, it was always like this cool, shiny place that I, I would love to have lived, but never really felt like a possibility. Um, and yeah, this made it a possibility. And uh, been here for three years now and haven't looked back. It's been fantastic. So for you, for your mom and me, we, we were never really surprised that you would end up in New York because as you were growing up, you, you, know, you did a mission trip down to the Amazon. You went to Peru and Ecuador, all over Europe. You made a decision to move to Spain, to Madrid, to learn Spanish along the way. Um, we visited you there. Thank God we had you because we, we learned that they don't have really a second language in Madrid. It's <laughs> just Spanish. And if you don't know Spanish, you can't even order fast food <laughs> or, or get a ride in a cab. What a great experience that was. But it was, uh, you know, you were, you were always going to be our adventurous child. I mean, like, for example, Justin, when he was in Spain, he decided to go to Pamplona to run with the bulls because along the way, as you, maybe you heard me talk about with Reed Geis, Reed in, uh, uh, introduced me to Ernest Hemingway along the way. I've read just about everything he's written. I introduced Hemingway to Justin. He's done the same. And um, he wanted to go to Pamplona and run with the bulls. And when he got there, he didn't just run with the bulls. He got in with some local guys and got at the beginning of the pack and almost got gored in dead man's corner. And the story goes on from there, but he was the guy we were always going to have to hold our breath. So we're, we're actually glad that you landed in New York and, uh, and that you're happy there, but, um, but you're wor working on the international team and you could end up going anywhere in the world. Hey, why don't we do this, Justin? When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Talk about what life has been like in New York city during the pandemic and what led to you writing this wonderful piece about truly hybrid way of working. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with my son, Justin Matthews. live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Supertalk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Uh, one of the things that occurs to me as we talk to my son, Justin Matthews, who is coming to us from New York City, the West Village, 
where he works uh, for Price Waterhouse and has recently written a piece on truly hybrid way of working. Um, it occurs to me that uh, I didn't necessarily have to do too much prep for this conversation today. I, I sort of knew where we needed to go. I pride myself in doing my homework for my for my guests. I don't want any conversation to be short-circuited in any way just because I didn't find the time to do my homework to get prepared. But in a way, I actually did do my homework because uh, this piece that you wrote that you sent me to look over, um, you know, I spent a lot of quality time looking at it and we're going to get to that in just a second but the piece is extraordinarily well written and really brings into sharp focus this tug of war that's going on in so many people's lives today about how do they find work and and you know life away from work balance and uh, the the pandemic helped people find a quality of life because of their remote working that now as they sort of try to find uh, the right mix between remote and working from the office, they really are tussling with. And I, I think this is literally around the world. And Justin's a young person who's sort of come to grips with that. So, hey, Justin, when we went to break, we were talking about you're in New York now, you're in West Village, you're working. Well, how, how do you describe the work that you do today? What division of, of uh, Price Waterhouse are you working with? And, uh, you know, kind of give us a sense of that. Yeah, so I sit within our, our consulting solutions practice within PwC broadly. And then specifically, I sit within our treasury and working capital management uh, team. Uh, and what we primarily focus on is a couple different buckets. One, cash management, so how companies manage their cash. That can be anything from working capital to actual liquidity that's in banks. Um, and then another big portion of it is uh, the deals portion. So what we do is we help companies as they go through transformations or as they go through separations or mergers. Uh, really think through how that cash should be managed. So if you think of a big organization is splitting up, there's cash that's entangled there, similar to a divorce or any other breakup, that needs to be separated out. So we advise our clients on how to do that the most efficiently and um, yeah, how to make sure everybody needs what they ha everybody has what they need moving forward um, to operate. Um, and you can, you can imagine for big global clients that are in almost every country in the world, that conversation gets pretty complicated and convoluted, um, but it's a, it's a fun problem to, to solve. Yeah, okay, I remember I remember we were at, at our uh, hunting camp up in outside of Greenwood uh, between Christmas and New Year's, and I got to listen to you do some of your calls, and it was amazing to me, people checking in from all over the country on that call, on those calls. Did you ever imagine that you would be dealing with so many different um, when you talk about cash transactions, so many different monetary descriptions and so many amazing people from all over the world, that's, that has got to have been and continues to be just a great experience for you. Yeah, it is. And it's something that it was kind of my goal when I entered PwC to be doing this work. And it hit me the other day, which was uh, it kind of written about in this piece, is that I was sitting in this conference room. Uh, we were doing our first in-person meeting since the pandemic. And I was sitting in this conference room with about 25 other people um, all from, all from our client. And I was the most senior PwC person in the room. And we were discussing these complex topics. And what I realized in that moment is that like, I've kind of hit the goal that I established for myself when I first joined the firm. Um, so yeah, it was this great moment of like uh, satisfaction of, you know, and, and almost like disbelief of like, wow, like, you know, we, we did it. Uh, we're kind of here exactly where we wanted to be. Um, so yeah, a cool moment of, of accomplishment. Uh, but yeah, I, I love, I love what I do to a certain extent. Um, I've really appreciated the work that I've done. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting to know that the steps that have been taken up to this point have gotten to me where I originally wanted to be when I first joined the firm four years ago. 
What, what I said earlier in my career, it seemed like I was moving to a different role every couple of years, you know, every two or three years, something would change. And it's, sometimes I wasn't even looking for it. It just happened. You know, I just stayed focused on what I was doing and, and the evolution kind of occurred. But what's, what's interesting is I always said that life's a journey, a life, a, a, a journey of self-discovery. I don't care how old you are. Every day is about discovery. You never learn all there is to learn. In fact, fact, the more you learn, the more you learn how much you don't know that keeps you thirsty. And that, that reality of trying to figure out, you know, what's the next step? When's the next step? How does that all play together? It's, um, you know, a lot of people are going through that now. A lot yeah. of people are going through it. I, I bet there's been more reflection about work in the midst of the pandemic than ever before. I mean, by, ever, by single people around the world than ever before in history. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're talking to your friends in New York and around the world, are they all thinking about the same thing? You know, is this something that's top of mind for them all? Yeah, you know, I think what the pandemic allowed us to do is take a step back um, and, and really reflect on what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what it looks like in the future. And I think that's been a really healthy process for a lot of people. I, I think in my friend group in New York, I'm the only one who hasn't moved jobs since the pandemic. Because I think what there is right now is a, a, a lack of um, comfort in getting and getting comfortable, if that makes sense. So in other words, people aren't um, just being complacent anymore and, and just kind of going along with whatever process they've been put in. Uh, they're thinking critically about what their life looks like and what they want it to look like. And that's, allow it, that's giving them um, the boldness, I think, to change careers and to get on new trajectories and to do the things that they need to do to ultimately land and be in a place where, you know, they get up excited for work every day. Um, and, you know, we've all been going through that process and it's, a, I think it's a really edifying process. Um, and yeah, I, I, yeah, like I said, I think a lot of my friends are in that same boat. So in order to appreciate sort of the conclusions that you drew, it's important for people to know the world you were in before they announced there's a pandemic. So what was your life like before the pandemic was announced? Yeah, so it was, uh, it was what we would say like a typical consulting life. Okay, so you would get on a plane Monday morning, you would fly to wherever your client was. Most recently, it was a small town outside of Chicago. So I'd get on a plane at JFK or LaGuardia, fly into Chicago, rent a car, drive an hour out to my client, where nestled in the cornfield, there's this $4 billion publicly traded company. Um, so I'd stay there to Thursday, fly back Thursday night, get back really late, wake up Friday, maybe go to the office, maybe not. Um, have my vacation weekend in New York, as I used to say, and then back on back on to the client. So, yeah, it was a, a constant cycle of traveling, being not home um, and kind of justifying it through, oh, there's this perks, you know, I'm, we have nice dinners or like we get rewards miles or whatever it may be. So you kind of justify it. And it's not until you take a step back where you realize like, wow, this isn't an ideal way to be living. <laughs> Hey, so when you when you wrote that there not that two and a half years when I was doing a lot of traveling, six hundred and fifty thousand frequent flyer miles from Knight Ritter to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and to Miami, and then all over the country. When you wrote about when you're on the road and you're in a hotel, once you go, don't get done with that fancy dinner, you have to go back to an empty hotel room, and and we'll come back we'll come back to this in a second but that notion of how empty that really how empty that hotel room is not just in terms of you know physically empty but there are no relationships to build when you're in an empty hotel room and i think a lot of people once the pandemic hit 
they began to really look at that moment in their in their traveling life and realize just how I hate to say the world empty again, but just how empty it really was. And yeah. so what ha- so the the pandemic gets announced, Pricewaterhouse does what that causes you immediately to be working from home. Tell tell us about how sudden that was. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I flew back from Chicago and on the way back to the airport, my boss, you know, he texted me, he was like, Hey, don't think we're gonna travel next week. We just wanna see what this COVID thing is. And you know, this is like early March twenty twenty, so right before everything shut down. Like, yeah, let's just take the week, you know, at, in New York and we'll see what happens. And then it was like two days later that he texts like, hey, you know, we're not traveling anymore. Maybe a day after that, that the firm said no traveling anywhere. And then maybe a day after that, that New York completely shut down restaurants and everything. And I was living by Times Square at the time. And I'll never forget the morning that everything closed down. I walked to Times Square and all the lights were on. It looked very normal, except I was the only person in Times Square. So, you know, immediately those images of like the apocalypse or like I am legend start popping up in your head. And you're like, what, you know, what, what are we about to experience? And then I think it was maybe a week after that, that I flew home to, to Biloxi to stay for a couple months. Yeah, that it was fun to have you here, by the way. We never, <laughs> you know, again, one of the, one of the benefits of the, of the pandemic is we got to, we got to spend incredible quality, quality time with you, but the city's gone through a lot of adjustments during this time. And if you were to, if you were to sort of describe it, so once you, eventually you went back to New York and uh, it continued on in that, in that kind of, um, you know, very sort relatively quiet existence. There were, you were finding ways to eat outside and do all of that, but it was a, it was a weird place for an extended period of time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was interesting because it was just a completely different city. Uh, there was no restaurants to go to for a long time. And then when you could, it was outdoor eating only. Um, and in the winter, obviously, that's not prime. But what was interesting about it is everybody who came back to New York, there was such a community around that, you know, of people who wanted New York to flourish, wanted to be in the city, no matter what the city was like. So what it, it created, I think, was a lot of strong friendships, because whenever we were getting together, it would be, you know, in apartments or on somebody's front porch or on somebody's rooftop to create that community. So, yeah, it was an interesting kind of stage to be in. And, it, and, and that, that sense of community, that building of community, those experiences and all of the incredible, like, um, realization <laughs> that this part of life is really important. And when you can contrast that with that empty hotel room during the week, you know, that, that you're starting to define quality of life. And we'll, we'll continue the, the learnings here when we get on the other side with my son, Justin Matthews, who lives in New York City. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a great time to be on the coast, and we love talking about it. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. It's a treat for me today because I have my son, Justin Matthews, who works for PwC Cooper in New York City. He lives in the West Village. He loves the city. Uh, he recently wrote a piece called A Truly Hybrid Way of Working. Uh, he sent it to me and asked me to read it, and I thought, wow, wow, it's, it's way more way more specific 
I mean, his ability to describe it and his friend's ability to describe their learnings during the pandemic about why it is important to really find real work-life balance. Uh, that's a big issue. You heard Jace Payne talk about this yesterday, that, that that all of his friends, all young people are wrestling with this. And we better come to grips with it because people are changing jobs based on this criteria. And when we, I thought it was a great transition, incidentally, Justin, is we began to, you began to talk about how all these, all these like uh, friend groups, you have numerous friend groups, how you would come together and socialize during the week, during the pandemic, because you were working remotely. So, I mean, like the contrast between what you were learning about that part of life relative to the empty hotel room that you went back to uh, when you were on the road, there couldn't be a more dynamic contrast that you were really beginning to understand, could there? No, and I mean, to take that now in the modern day, we've been working remote now for almost two and a half years. And if I look at my like routines in life, right? So I wake up every morning and I go to my gym. And then I walk through the village and come back to ha- my home. In the afternoons, I'll, uh, you know, as you know, pursuing acting as well on the side now. So I'll do an acting class or I'll do an acting self-tape. Maybe on another day, I've gotten really involved in our, my church. So I'll have a small group or a Bible study or I'll go get coffee with somebody from that to kind of like minister to them. So it's interesting because my life now has been, it's been broadened so far outside of just work. Whereas before the pandemic, my life was really dedicated to my job, which really, when I look at my vision for life, even when I was young, it never included a full dedication to my role. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's, it's such a more beautiful life and such a more full life now. And it's because we've been working remote for this long and have that freedom. It, it is really incredible. Of course, your, your mom and I have watched this, this whole thing sort of unfold. And as a result, you know, you view yourself as a more complete human being. I mean, even in fact, the way you describe success is even different now mm-hmm. because the relationships that you gained and the and and what you've learned from those various people, so many different people and so many different friend groups has made you a better person today. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun watching you do a little bit of modeling and you know, do a little, you know, go to some acting classes. You, you actually were an extra on the, uh, Marvel, how did marvelous say it again? Amazing. Mar- marvelous. Maisel. Marvelous. Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, I've, I've watched a little bit of it, but, uh, but you know, it's, that's been fun and you would have never had that opportunity that had you been on the road doing what you were doing. Um, but you've, you know, the bottom line is a more complete life, but then let's, okay. So, but you're not, you're not a proponent that you stay in that remote mode because you also simultaneously learned that relationships at work were just as important, especially working on projects were just as important as the relationships you had in your private life. And what you were a proponent of now and what you wrote about is finding the balance between those work relationships and those, you know, those not at work relationships and why they were both important. But what did you what did you simultaneously come to grips with as it related to work? Yeah, what was interesting is, I mean, for all these reasons, right, I've preached the gospel of working remote since the pandemic because I absolutely cherish the amount of freedom I have in my schedule and the amount of work-life balance I've discovered. Uh, but, yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, we traveled for work for the first time. I uh, went to uh, a, snake, a state nearby for one trip and then D.C. for the next trip. Um, and in those two weeks, uh, I got to reconnect with colleagues. I got to 
get to know my clients better. And, and what happens when you're sitting around the table with a client or your colleagues, you build trust, right? You, you, you look each other in the eye, you tell stories about what they care about outside of work, um, and the relationship grows stronger. So then you step away from that and you're back working remote. Now, all of a sudden, there's a rapport there and there's a relationship there that is stronger and more solidified and more foundational than it was before you were in person. So what I realized is that working remote is, as I think, the primary model, right? I think working remote, having this work-life balance is really, I think, the best way to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And also, we should be traveling together. We should be coming together on a regular basis, whether it be monthly or bi-monthly, to build relationships, to collaborate as a team and maybe solve a specific problem or plan for something that needs to happen. Uh, but the relationship piece is that core component. Um, and that's what I've kind of discovered is that I think a truly hybrid way of working allows you to both have that work-life balance, spend that time with your family, do the things you love outside of work, and also build the strong relationships that ultimately make you better at your job and make the job, um, you know, happen more successfully. Yeah, I don't, you know, here's the, here's the interesting thing. The, the thought that came to my mind as a former CEO, I often said we spend more time at work with each other than we spend with our families. And so we better, we need to get along and we need to work together. But I don't really, you know, now that I think about it within the context of what you're saying is that I don't think I fully appreciated that it's almost as if work was the only thing that mattered. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 we didn't have a deep enough understanding for what was going on at work because you know one of the one of the anecdotes I read for exa- for example was that this guy had uh, worked remotely and his and he was he was uh, a little bit older and had older parents and he was he he was spending more time helping his elderly parents and you know maybe a kid with some challenge or whatever along the way but the point was that that was now really important to him. And that didn't mean that he wasn't going to be unbelievable in his job. In fact, in order to be unbelievable in his job, he had that peace of mind that he was doing everything he needed to do to help his parents and these other other drags on his on his life that if he were to have to go back to the office, those things would keep him from being good in his job working in the office. And he was determined that he would leave his job if he had to. And look, by the way, this was the CFO for a company. Wow. And the, the, the CEO decided, go to the farm. You're more valuable to this company. Go to the farm and work from there, and we'll make this work. And it's, it's worked magically. But uh, a lot of companies have not had the wisdom, you know, have not really yeah. understood this. And as a result... People are leaving their jobs, and it's it's really compelling, actually, that you said of your your main work group that you're the only one who hasn't changed jobs. That's that's unbelievable, really. Yeah, it is. I think the question that's being asked right now is, does it have to be this way? And I think it's the first time that that question is so relevant and so um, you know so a part of our culture. I know a lot of my friends continue to ask that, right? Do I love this job? No. Well, does it have to be that way? Do I love going to the office every day? No. Does it have to be that way? And the answer is no, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think the more companies ask this and organizations ask that question, the more we'll be able to evolve out of any old habits that are holding us back from being most successful as a company, as a worker, but also as a person as well. So, you know, of course, this, 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 again, the reason I keep coming back to Jace Payne, because he brings this up as something that young people in coastal Mississippi talk about. And if just, if you were talking to an employer who's, maybe wrestling with this, 
What would your what would what would you talk directly to them about the what the considerations that they ought to have top of mind as they think about how to stop brain drain? You know, losing our young people who feel like they have to leave Mississippi. What how flexible they ought to be? You know, the things they need to be thinking about so they can really really be focused on quality of life, and that means having good work life balance. What would your message be? Yeah, I think for people who have been in their jobs for a really long time, the question I ask is, you know, I've been do, you've been doing this the same way for a very, very long time. But again, does it have to be that way? I think a lot of people, a lot of people I know um, who are maybe been in the job for 10 or plus years, they want to go back to the office or they want to go back to traveling. But that's just because that's what they're comfortable with. And I think it's important to kind of examine our own lives and say, yeah, but is this bringing me the most fulfillment? Is there things that I'm missing out in life because that's my approach? Because I guarantee you that's the questions your employees are asking. And that's a lot of the reason why people I think are leaving jobs right now is they don't feel like there's a connection between maybe the millennial and, and lower generations and the above generations who have been doing it for a really long time. Because you got to understand our perspective is two to five years into these jobs, some even less than a year into these jobs. So we don't, we don't believe it has to be any certain type of way because this is all fresh. And we've now grown up in an era where we are working remote, where we're examining ourselves and where we have a lot of job opportunity to go to if we need to. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I think that for organizations, it's really important to say, yeah, we want it to be this way, but are we more successful as an organization giving the, the workers what they need and allowing them to then contribute in the way they want to contribute? Because um, ultimately, I think it's made a lot of us a lot more productive and a lot more successful at our careers. And the other thing is, Justin, and we, you know, I, again, we've talked about this before, but there are classes, literally classes on how to manage millennials. And millennials are not as married to specific companies anymore as much as they are married to s- some some sense of satisfaction, whatever, however they define it. But a lot of instant gratification. They're willing to turn on a dime. Technology, by the way, enables accountability in ways we didn't have before. So it's not like they're going to run from responsibility. They can't. You, you feel as responsible as you ever did. When we come back, I'm going to ask Kyle to kind of join in the conversation a bit, and we'll uh, we'll just continue the conversation, have a little bit of a roundabout on this last segment. We'll see you after this break with my son, Justin Matthews. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. You're having a terrific conversation with my son, Justin Matthews, who works for PricewaterhouseCooper in New York City, and uh, he's doing international treasury work finance work. And uh, he wrote a piece called Truly Hybrid Way of Work, essentially sort of a catharsis in a way of what he learned about the importance of work relationships as well as, you know, life relationships outside of work and why, how, why, especially millennials, why this has become incredibly important and that we better pay attention to it because if we don't pay attention to it, we may lose some of our best and brightest. Justin, one of the things that we talk about here in Coastal Mississippi all the time is that with the new economy, um, the day of just going to get a big factory and hoping they relocate there and then bring in jobs, those, those days are not as, those days are numbered. And where there's a lot more focus today on building the kind of places that young people want to live, 
because in this remote and hybrid work world that we live in, they can actually choose the community they want to live in. And, and so we should be focusing on building time, downtowns that are walkable, that have things to do that, that can you know, create sort of the, the opportunity, like you continue to talk about, that you have in New York City, and I just have these friend groups that can come together and socialize with each other and all that. I mean, that's just a reality. But that's really important, isn't it? Yeah, hugely important. Hugely important. I think we look at the, the, the whole person, I think, is how they describe it. But basically, yeah, we look at our whole lives a lot more now, right? And I mean, we're standing on the shoulders of, of y'all and the generations above us where there's a lot of hard work, right, to get to this point, to get to a point where I have opportunities now to pursue different careers because y'all put in the work to create that opportunity. Um, So, yeah, I think we're we're coming from a privileged position and that like we have a lot of opportunity in this world and therefore the job is important and creating wealth is important and all those things are important. Security is important, but so is everything else outside of work. And I think we're examining that more now than ever. Yeah, there's no doubt the pandemic has changed everything. Hey, let's bring producer Cal Curley into the conversation. And uh, if you're a regular listener, you know that Kyle and I have talked about this so many times, the realities of how work will change. But, you know, the whole time I'm listening to Justin, Kyle, I'm thinking about past conversations you and I have had. It is, you know, I don't care if you're in New York City or in coastal Mississippi or in Spain. This, this, is a, this is a regular, ongoing conversation, especially, it's really widely, I don't care how old you are, everybody's thinking about it, but especially young people, this is a big deal. It sounds familiar, doesn't it, my friend? Yeah, it really does. And, you know, for some of us, myself included, I think I was ahead of the curve on working from home. And it's helping going forward with the other aspects of my life. Uh, you know, I'm not having to spend the time on the road, like Justin was saying earlier, where you're commuting back and forth. You're at home five after five or 535. And it's I've been doing it for two years, and it's still funny to walk 15 feet into the other room. Honey, I'm home, and it gets a laugh mostly every time, except for when my son here, he's 14, he's just like, whatever. But (laughs) he's 14. So, but, you know, I think one thing that's not really talked about, and I I, want to, I don't know if, I I guess I need to be kind of careful of how to address it, but when you work from home, there's always the aspect of those people that are at the office because they didn't give themselves the same opportunity to do work from home. Yeah. They don't want to do whatever it takes, whether it's, you know, purchasing your own equipment, your own materials to work from home, and they just show up. And then when you, you know, for those of us that work at home, you kind of walk in and you're like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's, yeah. Hey, Justin, do you, that's a good point, actually. Do you encounter people who are, who might not be as willing to work remotely, is, or is that something you don't encounter? No, I think there's a lot of people out there who still do want to work in person. Um, and, you know, I think within a hybrid model, they have the opportunity, right, to go work in the office. I, I, I have friends that are ping me in, in my company that will say, hey, you coming to the office today? And I'm like, heck no, because um, I like to go, you know, if there's a defined purpose, I'll go into the office, we'll build those relationships, it'll be great. Um but yeah, I think an important aspect of all of this is that we all have our own values, right? We have our own things that we care most about. For me, it's faith and family and friends and then work. For a lot of people, it's not like that and that's okay, right? It's okay that not all, all of our values are the same as long as we're giving everybody the opportunity to, to cater to their value system and their value proposition to the best of their ability. 
Um, and for people who don't have the opportunity, I think that's where, you know, it comes the employer's job to step in and say, hey, look, if this is how you best want to work, we'd rather you work this way than not have you work here at all. And I think that's kind of like the, the synopsis of all this, right? It's about giving people the opportunity to work in the way that's most effective for them and balances their life best. Yeah. So, so Kyle, when you, you know, you, in your situation, you were a, a bit ahead of the curve, but you understood well, even then, and you cer- certainly do today, that we are actually able to do things with this show we wouldn't have been able to do before if we weren't doing it in this format. I mean, for example, Justin, having Justin on, I mean, usually we would have had to be in the studio. So this is important, isn't it? It really is. Cause you know, we're taking into the, uh, the, the account the guests time that they would have to drive and we have guests we have less than a minute but we have guests from jackson county we have guests from jackson from north mississippi from hancock county and just coming from hancock county to in jackson county to gulfport is depending on that's a good 45 minutes to an hour drive and then they have to drive back so the time that they've taken away from work for say a 29 minute 30 minute you know episode that's a lot of time that's a lot it of work. is and that's not working a relationship building they're doing anyway justin thank you for writing that piece and sort of inspiring this show today i hope people got something from it and uh you know you make us proud keep up the good work my friend my son i appreciate that dad i love you i love you too my son god bless you and uh, have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.